There is so much in the infrastructure bill that the administration doesn't talk about. And honestly, I don't really get it. There's $90 billion in public transportation, public transportation funding that go, is, is key towards um, shifting our reliance on the main thing that we use fossil fuels for, which is transportation. And Joe loves, Biden loves choo-choo trains. Oh, That's yeah. His favorite <laughs> thing. He loves choo-choo trains. Why I can't he talk why. about that more? Top of the Monday morning to you all. Welcome to the Bituation Room Podcast live stream. I am your host, Francesca Fiorentini. I don't even know if that R is proper. Um, welcome, y'all. Um, obviously, it is Sunday evening, but if you're in the future, I don't know, maybe it's like a Friday at 2. Why not? Um, thank you guys so much for being here. We got so much to talk about. Today, uh, we got such a great show. Comedian Will Miles is here. Investigative journalist Antonia Yuhas is here. We're going to talk about Biden's presidency turning one. Finally, pooping solids. Uh, Mitch McConnell letting it all hang out. And I'm not talking about the gullet. Uh, communities are standing up to the oil and gas industry because someone has to. We'll talk about that with Antonia. And we're going to talk about all the M&Ms we want to bone. That's right. I said it. Where's my million dollars? No? Okay. Cool. Uh, We are going to be talking, obviously, about all of the cartoon food characters uh, that we want to change to trigger Mr. Tucker Carlson into just doing one of the most um, bizarre rants uh, possible. So we'll get into that if you haven't listened or seen that. In the meantime, if you're here on YouTube... Like and share this stream, Aura. And if you're on Twitch, what up? Thank you for being here. I hope you've subscribed or resubscribed. We got emotes. I don't even know what those are, but I made them. Yeah, that's why they look bad. Uh, if you're here in the future, thank you so much in advance for that five star. Uh, I was going to say Yelp review, but why not? Talk about how good the food is here. Mm. It's always yummy. What? Brain food. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, thank you guys so much for those five-star reviews. They're so sweet. They really help people discover this podcast. Um, we got a lot to get to get to. We got a lot to get to. But first, of course, a few announcements. Uh, if you guys do not know, um, this show is going to be live in the flesh in Brooklyn on March 10th. That is a Thursday at 7 p.m. at the Bell House uh, with Sam Cedar of the Majority Report, Matt Lieb of My Household, and Pod Yourself a Gun, and Good Mythical Morning, and News Broke, and all the good stuff, as well as Councilmember Tiffany Caban, uh, again, Democratic Socialist, um, queer Latina, badass, who's going to be joining us for that. It's going to be so good. If you guys can't make it, you can get virtual tickets. If you can make it, you can also get yourself a VIP ticket because I like to mingle and I think it would be nice for us to have like an hour after the show to just hang. So if you want to hang and get some special Francifa time, um, you know, be a VIP. You get like early entry. It's dope. uh, And uh, I can give you my like more attention. I'm not going to promise full, but like, you know, 75%. Uh, (laughs) And 
If you guys are patrons, you get to watch the show for free virtually, and you also get $10 off a GA ticket or a VIP ticket. Um, so patreon.com slash bituation room is where you go to become a patron. And not only do you get $10 off the live show, but you get access to weekly bonus content every single week. Me and the comic guests, sometimes the interview guests too, we hang on. We do like 10 to 15 more minutes of content. We talk about another story. This week, we're going to be talking about the teacher shortage and what is going on in a few different states when you run out of teachers because they're sick, because they're burned out. Uh, something pretty disgusting. And I'm sure y'all can guess what would America do in the year 2022 when it comes to not having enough teachers? Oh, just training a bunch of new ones? Paying them more money? <laughs> you got to become a patron, patreon.com slash room to find out who the hell is filling in for these teachers right now. It's going to be good. Uh, Will's going to be joining me for that. Um, and as always, there is swag on this podcast. Bituationroom.com. Get your tote bag. Get your two different types of shirts. You got your Fran Tifa shirt with a very, just a a, a discreet lapel adornment. Uh, you got also have the the main logo, Bituation Room. Um, you know, I, I'm I am looking into getting bitch caps, so I can finally say get your bitch caps on. Because um, I would like you to get your bitch caps on as we start this show off with, of course, what are you bitching about now? So um, a former New York Times columnist, Barry Weiss, uh, who honestly is famous for being obnoxious universally. Like, like, I don't know. I, I, you know, other than Ted Cruz, it's hard to know why someone would want to be so hated uh, and for having such uh, crap takes and so and um, being the most like well-paid concern troll uh, who's like kind of pretends to be liberal, but is actually kind of a right winger. Um Barry Weiss loves to talk about how the progressives and the left are canceling free speech. And oh, by progressives and the left, she means the New York, the New York Times. Yeah, she loves. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. The, the big socialist and the New York Times op ed page. She will literally print anything. Um, so she's done a lot of that. Uh, this is the same woman who, as she calls for uh, the defense of speech free speech has also spent time trying to shut down discussions of the occupation of Palestine on college campuses, helping create blacklists of professors that dare, you know, criticize the Israeli government, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. She makes fortunes on Substack, which, as you guys know, is uh, where contrarians are taken out to pasture after they've lost their other columnist jobs. Um, she was recently on Bill Maher, uh, the show that mostly gets its audience by uh, barking at the Santa Monica Pier. And uh, and it's like, please, I will pay you to come to this show. Hey, sir, you got a great laugh, sir. Sir, don't turn your back on me. Like, that's how they feel that studio audience. Um, So she's there, of course, because uh, in between writing for Substack, she gets flown out to L.A. to uh, be on the Bill Maher show. And she's good. She's just... <sighs> She's tired of COVID. She's like so done, you guys. And 
She's sitting next to a congressman, Congressman Ricky Torres in New York. Here's what she has to say about... I sprayed the Pringles cans that I bought at the grocery store, stripped my clothes off because I thought COVID would be on my clothes. Like, I did it all. I watched Tiger King. I got to the end of Spotify. Like, we all did it, right? No, no, we didn't all do it. Well, well, here's the thing. A lot of us did do it. And then we were told, you get the vaccine. You get the vaccine and you get back to normal. I know that so many of my liberal and progressive friends are with me on this and they do not want to say it out loud because they are scared to be called anti-vax or to be called science denial or to be, you know, smeared as a Trumper. Look at the data that we did not have two years ago. Cloth masks do not do anything. You will realize that you can show your vaccine passport at a restaurant and still be asymptomatic and carrying Omicron. And you will realize, most importantly, that this is going to be remembered by the younger generation as a catastrophic moral crime. Oh, God. Thank you, Barry. Thank you for just saying, you know, I didn't want to say that because I just don't want to be canceled by my fellow leftists. Um Okay, so the audience, once again, uh, the audience who does not want to be there and is paid to laugh very loud, um, just lapped this up, right? Loved it. Oh, my God, you're done with it. I'm done with it. I know. COVID is just like baby tease. Like, remember when they were in and then you're like over it? Like, what do I even do with low-cut jeans? You know, like, that's how she's treating COVID. You know, the virus that currently still rages and has killed 800,000 Americans. Tight, tight, tight. Uh, You know, we have not peaked yet in a lot of cities when it comes to Omicron. And yeah, I'll I'll say this. I'm fucking tired of it too. We're all sick of COVID. Are you kidding me? We are sick every time we live our lives now. We have to, it's a, it's a calculation. Do I want to expose myself? Sometimes it's worth it. Sometimes it's not worth it. You got to be careful. But I love how she's like, the science that we had two years ago, the science two years ago was different, honey. The science we have now on Omicron is changing, right? The cloths, masks, oh, they'll never protect you. Well, they might have against the alpha. But yeah, now we're learning that they don't work. So what? So we roll out N95s. That's what the Biden administration, as much as I critique them, did. Way little too late. But like, that's what they're doing. We're getting N95s now. Great. Oh, and you can go into a restaurant and still be asymptomatic. Well, then that's why we have fucking tests. So maybe we should test before we go sit inside and stuff our faces. No? Is that, oh, is that draconian? Are you, am I being judgy on the people who choose not to get vaccinated, but then clog up the hospital system? Like, it is amazing to me that at this late stage, people are still getting paid to have their fucking non-expert I'm tired of this opinion lifted up by mainstream outlets it's like I literally don't care that you're tired like I'm not saying that I'm not tired either and I'm not saying that like our leadership couldn't do better but like the answer to I'm tired isn't fuck it all it's all been a waste I'm done with COVID COVID ain't done with you sadly COVID calls the shots um you know bow down bitch uh, so anyway, I, um, it is, the answer is not to be less careful. The answer is to be more careful and to be more precise with how we are careful. So I just want to say there's a congressman sitting right next to her. That congressman is from New York. He wants to weigh in. 
there's a little bit of disrespect happening. Check out his response to her being over COVID and uh, a little bit of the back and forth. Well, it's not real anymore. Let's not forget that, you know, the pandemic has left the death count of more than 850,000 Americans. Well, that's a... Yes, but it was, that's a, a squishy yes, Richie, it was a blunt instrument, okay? If you look at who was affected by this, 803 children have died in the past two years in the entire country from and with COVID. I guess I, I offer a perspective. In, I was a New Yorker who lived through the early weeks and early months of the pandemic. Uh, New York lost more than 60,000 people. The Bronx alone lost more than 7,000 people, which is larger than the combined death toll of Pearl Harbor and 9-11. I saw mass graves in Hart Island in, in the Bronx. I mean, most New Yorkers saw a level of death and suffering we've never seen in our lives. And that's the source of the concern about COVID. I mean, I reject the notion that the response to COVID has been worse than the disease itself. I reject the notion that the response to COVID has been worse than the disease itself. That is a congressperson, Barry Weiss, a Substack contributor. And yet she interrupts him to basically say, yeah, 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 850,000, but like only 800 kids. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? And you call him Richie? But yeah, but Richie, bitch, Congressman Torres, Representative Torres. Where do you get off calling him Richie on national television? Sit down. Honestly. Bill Maher over there like, well, I mean, that number's kind of squishy. I don't know where the fuck he was going with that shit. Oh, God. I hate everyone. Anyway, the next person the, coming into the habituation room is someone I don't hate. Um, that's why he's on this goddamn show. He is a writer and an actor on the awesome comedy show Southside on HBO Max. Please welcome will miles hey hey how's it going good how are you good good i was just watching and feeling you like all the things you said i'm like yeah this, hell yeah i'm in here like yeah <laughs> let barry weiss had it i just if you you know in this world if you're a contrarian will you really get everything well and also it's if you're true. white and have privilege <laughs> like, yeah. but you just say some shit nobody else says and it's like oh my god you 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 must be the CEO, you know? Like, yeah, wow. yeah. I hate it, too, because she, she also brought up the kids thing, which I have a kid, and everyone loves to bring that kind of shit up to me now. Can I curse? I just realized I didn't. Yeah. Answer. All right, great. And they're like the 800 kids die. Only 800. It's like, that's 800 kids that die. That's that's bad. <laughs> what if that was your kid? Right. Like, and that's the thing. Everybody's like, well, it's very rare if they get sick. It's like, well, I don't want to find out that I'm one of the rare. Like, that's, yeah. that's the word. Yeah. No, absolutely. And especially like now it seems like there's more children who have because the schools are still open in a lot of places, yeah. kids who are going to hospitals, um, you know, uh, and that's worrisome as a parent. You know, no matter if they survive or not, you're not going to be like, let, let it yeah. be the gerbil, you know, it's good <laughs> it for is, their, yeah. you know, it's good for their uh, immune system. Like, nah, like chicken, expose them to chicken pox. Don't expose yeah, them to yeah. like fucking COVID. <laughs> And they um, love to bring up like, oh, but they could die from the flu. It's like, I don't want that either. Like, I don't want, <laughs> yeah, I don't want any of not it. Dying? Yeah, yeah, what about not dying of that? What about dying of old age? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, Will, what are you bitching about this Sunday? Uh, let me put my bitch cap on. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm always... <laughs> It, so it's gotta be. It, I went. I once said that. And I was like, and I'm a dad. Um, yeah. My, yeah, 
<laughs> maybe that's why I connected so well. And I was like, that's perfect. <laughs> I, I would buy one if they're, if it's available, I'll buy it. <laughs> but I, yeah, I love to bitch cap about uh, <laughs> healthcare is always my thing. I always bitch about, I, I got a, a one and a half year old and I got, you know, a dad with cancer, a mom who just got over cancer. So it's like, Oh wow. Always on my mind of like, this is just a failure. And when you see the bills, like we were just talking today, me and my wife about the bill that we got from the hospital that the insurance tells you and as, as their way of being like, see what it could be. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like they send you the full bill and you get all of right? it. And then, and then you get like what you had to pay. Cause we helped you out. It's like, yeah, the help shouldn't be required. That's the main thing like it's How like a hundred still for yeah four thousand yeah like yeah i still had to pay this amount and it was it would have cost me like 120 grand otherwise it's like that's ridiculous just to have a baby that's that's, that's yes. insane it's like that's and something like, that you have to do like if you have to give birth like there's no it's, it's unavoidable unless you're going to a doula or whatever but it's like you have to go to the hospital and give birth that shouldn't cost money that's insane isn't there a line item too of like oh well you held the baby like, can, can you just be like, no, no, sorry, don't want to hold my baby. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I don't. <laughs> we had to cut the umbilical cord. That's an extra 10 grand. It's like, what? <laughs> nope. I'm, you know what? I'm just going to have this baby and just like, you know, drag it home yeah. with the umbilical cord. We'll be fine. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. That, no, thank that. you. No, you can't even opt out of that, though. Like, it's we make the joke because obviously it's crass and no one would. But like, if you could, right? Yeah. You're never yeah. told how much it's going to cost ahead of time it's like a million bucks for a kid for like i think if you spread it out over the 18 years it's at least a million bucks oh, which is that insane wasn't hy- hyperbolic you're really, right. like a million bucks no 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 literally a million like over over the 18 years i think you ha- you're like supposed to spend a million dollars on your kid or something oh, and that's God. before college and it's oh, like God. i don't yeah i don't have that like <laughs> i guess over 18 years i hope i you know, how many people do? That's when you really start thinking about that. Like, I mean, at some point, I feel like they would rather up the age that Obamacare, like you can be on your parents' plan than they would yeah. give us Medicare for all. It'll be like, you know, children under 40. Be like, <laughs> yeah. Honestly, as comics, we understand that. And I yeah, like yeah. We would fight for that. <laughs> there, I mean, I, I, I went two years with a broken uh, thumb because I just was like, what am I supposed to do? Go to the hospital and pay for this? No. <laughs> like, <laughs> thumbs are i had i think i had a broken toe like that and you're like Mm. yeah it's it's fine ish i can Um, still do shit it's like if i can still do shit i'm not fixing this (laughs) (laughs) oh it's so fucked well um my my dad also is uh just recovered from cancer and he's so uh sending lots of good thoughts out to your family sending love Um, to him too congrats on uh being over it right now yeah yeah but but he's got like no antibodies so it's like he's got i think he said like 18 shots <laughs> like he's said yeah. every covid shot and he's like nope not taken nope not taken <laughs> yeah. like, it's, it's difficult so yeah i mean thinking of when someone like barry weiss is like i'm over covid it's like yeah well, what about immunocompromised people who straight up are not producing any antibodies right right um, it's such as it's uh it's such like a selfish disease or is it like as it mm-hmm. turns out, not not COVID itself. I mean, COVID just sucks, but it's 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 inspired so much selfishness around the world that you're like, oh, I didn't know everyone was like this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like everybody is clearly only thinking about themselves. Like the totally, yeah, the unvaccinated. I mean, I I, I, I got family. I love them obviously, but. <laughs> 
it just you got to pick your battles you got to work on every every few (laughs) months be like all right it's time for you know you greg you know whatever it is (laughs) yeah yeah i feel like it's cousin greg i'm thinking succession now (laughs) cousin greg Um, wouldn't get the vax probably yeah (laughs) cousin greg I feel like no one else is vaccinated in the Roy family, but Greg's like, what, what, come on. What are you guys, <laughs> what? They're like, we've got that Regeneron. What do you mean? What could I get some? No, no. Yeah, Greg, yeah. You know? <laughs> Tom is um, like, Tom is secretly vaxxed. He didn't tell his wife. He didn't tell. <laughs> totally <laughs> Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, we got to get into the week. A lot of things happened. Um, so uh, thank you all for being with us. Uh, This was the week where uh, Trump, who loves walls unless they're closing in on him, uh, is in the crosshairs of A.G. Letitia James, who is now subpoenaing Ivanka Trump to testify about the Trump Organization's finances. And not only that, but this was the week where the Supreme Court ruled that Trump must turn over documents sought by the January 6th committee. Um, Will he still be allowed to run for president in 2024 from prison? Of course. Uh, yeah, that just it's going to be like MAGA's Mandela moment. It'll be disgusting, uh, but it'll happen. Um, the war in Yemen is raging on real fun. And this week it included a massive Saudi led strike that killed 100 people, um, despite promising that the Biden administration would not sell any more weapons to Saudi Arabia. They Continue to do so, proving just how much Joe Biden wants to, like, touch that orb. Let me dance with the sword, Jack, you know. Um, (laughs) It'll work on the podcast. Uh, The Biden administration finally rolled out its home mailing testing program, which gives every American four free COVID tests. Never mind that you can't get them if you use a P.O. box or live in a mobile home or on a boat. But, uh, man, we finally have a test for every season. Just winter, spring, summer, or fall. All you gotta do is swap. All right, I'm I'm done. Uh, and f- finally, Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, is introducing an election police force to stop voter fraud. Uh, it's kind of like a state's election commission or election board, but only for governors with tiny dicks. Uh, for everything else, this is the week where. Okay, this was the week where uh, the nation marked a year of Biden's presidency or a year since Bernie Sanders froze his ass off in that folding chair and became like an icon for mittens and cynicism at the same time. Um, Biden has done a lot like winning the presidency. Um, You know, it was a good moment when he won and assumed office. We didn't think that would happen. That was good. But he's fallen short in a lot of ways. And I wanted to play a couple clips because I really appreciated Mehdi Hassan of uh, MSNBC's streaming show who had a short little roundup. What are the things Biden's done well? What are things that he has not done well? Uh, Here are Biden's successes, according to Mehdi Hassan. Start the clock. In his first year in office, Joe Biden succeeded on vaccines, half a million shots in arms, three out of four Americans now with at least one dose, boosters available for adults, vaccines available for most kids. He succeeded on jobs, adding more jobs to the economy, nearly six million than any other first first year president in history. In fact, unemployment in America is now at its lowest rate for 52 years. He succeeded in doing what Barack Obama couldn't and getting more than a trillion dollars of relief and stimulus to millions of Americans. In fact, a whopping $1.9 trillion in the form of the American Rescue Plan, which include things like direct checks worth 1400 bucks, more money for Medicaid, COBRA subsidies, extra unemployment support, and of course, expanded child tax credit 
which helped cut which helped cut child poverty in half. He succeeded in doing what Trump couldn't and getting a bipartisan infrastructure bill passed. More than a trillion dollars for roads, railways, bridges and broadband. Got 17 Republican senators on board for it, including Mitch McConnell. He succeeded in appointing more new federal judges than any president since Ronald Reagan and the most diverse group of new judges ever, including the first Muslim American and the first openly gay woman to sit on a federal appeals court. He succeeded in ending the Muslim ban and rejoining the Paris Climate Change Agreement. He succeeded in ending America's longest war and pulling out of Afghanistan. And of course, after four years of Trump, Joe Biden succeeded in bringing some civility, decency and sanity back to the White House. Mm. Then the clock ran out, but I, I think it's fake. I don't. I think that was more than a minute. Uh, <laughs> I think <but> so too. <laughs> yeah, right. Because it's funny. Because he's like, "Huh," and then you hear the buzzer. It's a little bit later. <laughs> uh, we'll hear it. We'll hear it in the second one. But uh, yeah, okay. So there's the good things. I gotta say, out of all those things, I did like the child tax credit, even though I don't have kids. Um, but uh, I really enjoyed. Well, I didn't really enjoy, but I really thought it was important for the United States to get out of Afghanistan. Out of all the successes, it's the one that will not curry me favor with mainstream media at all. Uh, who've also, by the way, forgotten about Afghanistan mm -hmm. since uh, the entire sort of the mess of withdrawing, which was, as we've said before, going to be a mess anyway. But that to me was like, okay, Joe, go it alone, Joe. Just fucking do it. Because like so many people wanted that to happen. The war is unpopular. The war is the longest war in American history. That to me was a good point. Now, I'm not saying the United States won't reinvade Afghanistan because I literally have like a, a bet going on that it, we will. Um, I'd, I'd like to get in on that bet, I think. I'm sure they will. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like it's some, like Ted Cruz is going to be like, think of the women. Yeah. Yeah. Children. yeah. And we're going to be right back in. But there were some good things. I don't know. Will, thoughts on the good stuff, like like the $1.9 trillion, you know, re American Rescue Plan, like yeah. the shots in arms. The shots in arms I'm really excited about. And then it's like they say that number like it's going to go up. But everyone who's got the vaccine is, is done. There's like, you know, <laughs> there's no people like, oh, I'm going to get it now. It's like, no, it's everybody's got it who's going to get it. But uh, <laughs> the uh, that's pretty good. The child tax credit. There is like some weird shit with taxes. I know. So like, I we got the child tax credit, but I I guess it's uh it would <clears throat> it would have come to us during tax time, but we got it early. So I guess like it's gonna affect our tax. I've never I haven't gotten a refund in years, but I guess it. Oh, I don't know what that's even. Like I it should be. One. You should yeah. be able to deduct it. Like that's the idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know why I don't get a refund also. Don't people get refunds? I stopped getting a refund like last year. Interesting. You mean for <laughs> dependents or just general? Oh, a refund? Just well, general, first of, all, yeah. first of all, we know that Trump's tax like overhaul and his tax breaks for the like the 1% uh, fucked over people like, well, myself and maybe yourself, people who are like independent contractors, yes. people who use a lot of 1099s. Like we were not, not able to write off a bunch of stuff and – a lot of blue states, the taxes that you pay, like usually you can deduct what you pay on a state level from your right. federal. And and that was out the window too. So we've been getting fucked. Oh, that's um, what it is then. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I didn't, yeah. I didn't do enough research, but I was like, hey, this sucks. I remember when I was a teacher, I got yeah. money back and now I don't. Exactly. <laughs> no, exactly. But exactly. I mean, the child, child tax credit is huge and that should be coming through in this tax season, but okay, it is yeah. over in that, like, it doesn't continue on into 2022, um, sadly. And that is the thing that was extended in the Build Back Better Act, but that's not passed. So yeah. 
Yeah, you know, so there's some good stuff. Let's move over to the failures, some of the things that weren't so good. I thought Mehdi, again, did a very fair job of announcing uh, or summing up some of the failures of the Biden administration in the last year. Start the clock. In his first year in office, Joe Biden failed to shut down the virus, as he said he would. In fact, he failed to see both the Delta and Omicron variants coming and then falsely claimed no one else saw it coming. And the pandemic now continues to blight America. He failed to ramp up COVID testing over Christmas. He failed to get Big Pharma to drop their COVID vaccine patents. He failed to keep inflation under control. It reached the highest rate for nearly 40 years. He failed to pass a $15 minimum wage. He didn't cancel $10,000 of student debt, as he said he would. He failed to pass gun reform, immigration reform, and the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Failed to pass the For the People Act. Failed to pass the Freedom to Vote Act. Failed to pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. And failed to do all of that because he didn't fight hard enough or soon enough to get rid of the filibuster. He also failed to pass the Build Back Better social spending bill, thereby failing to bring in things like universal pre-K, paid family leave, and new money for climate change. He failed to repeal Title 42, the cruel Trump-era rule used to expel immigrants at the southern border before they could even claim asylum. He failed to shut down Guantanamo Bay, failed to rejoin the Iran nuclear deal, failed to end the Saudi war in Yemen or hold MBS to account for killing Jamal Khashoggi, and failed to punish anyone in the military for a drone threat that killed 10 innocent Afghans, including seven kids, as we pulled out of Afghanistan last August. And Joe Biden, of course, above all else, failed to do what he claimed he could do, and what many of us said he couldn't, which was make nice with the Republican Party and unify the country <laughs> wow um, <laughs> that one that one hit for me like i i again agree with a lot of what Medi has to say and i think that is really right on i mean basically there's all these promises and specifically the promise of uniting the country and the idea that he would get republicans on board and sure and like we wouldn't even need to re- reform the filibuster because everyone's for voting rights right guys <laughs> what? you know like that didn't happen. Uh, we and and so there's so much um, that there's just so much that's clear that if it didn't happen now, I think a lot of us are feeling like it may not happen in the long run. Um, there are some things that Biden overturned that Trump did. One of the big things for me that he didn't overturn yet, which what Medi Medi referenced, was Title 42, which I don't know, Will, if you know about this, but it's this like basically um, emergency like. Uh, It's an emergency decree that allows us to refuse any asylum seekers into the United States while there's a pandemic. So that's why you have like massive amounts of Haitian migrants, Mm -hmm. you know, at the border and are like being systematically turned away, not to mention chased on horseback, but like, oh, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how how messed up that was. But so exactly. And they're like, well, and they're totally using the pandemic as this excuse to just deport more people, you know? Yeah. Like, hell yeah. yeah. Like, that'll be, that's really easy. Anyway, uh, they've got COVID. Like, but COVID's <laughs> yeah. coming from the inside. You're like, no. <laughs> um, so. They got it because yeah. they had to go to work at Amazon. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Bezos is like, if there's a way they could fill in for yeah. our workers, <laughs> I'll take them. Um, but on that point of working with Republicans, uh, this is Biden on his he had a two hour press conference this week and other like I'm just going to ignore the fact that my man seems really tired mm-hmm. and I don't want to I don't want to sound like a right winger who's like he's got cognitive decline. He probably has cognitive decline like I'm not going to lie, you know, <laughs> but I say that with like a lot of, you know, like like no hate. It happens. Um, but there were a few points. And one of the points was he says, look. I didn't I didn't know the Republicans wouldn't want to work with me. Um, What do you guys think of this? I did not anticipate that there'd be such a stalwart effort to make sure that the most important thing was that President Biden didn't get anything done. Think about this. What are Republicans for? What are they for? Name me one thing they're for. 
hotter M&Ms. <laughs> Sexy, bad bitches <laughs> covered in chocolate coating, crunchy. No, um, they're, they're, what are they? It's a good point, right? What are they for? But they, what the problem is, is that he, he didn't anticipate that they weren't going to work with him. I don't know. Will, you yeah. saw January 6th and that was, yeah. you know. I saw that and I like? <laughs> I saw eight years of Obama being president. And it's just like, you know, they they made it pretty clear back then. They were, and that was like very openly more racist in the fact that it was just like, we just don't want the black guy to get this thing passed. And it's like that came so obvious that they, you know, that Trump came into play. So it's like you didn't see why Trump was here. Like that's it's a big part of what they're all about is like making sure that this progressive stuff doesn't pass. It's like he's saying it like it's not. 2022 and we all know this <laughs> i know and that's so sad to me that like most of us common like yeah the, the, there hasn't even been that like inventory or that you know uh post-mortem on what the fuck happened in 2016 how did we go from obama to trump yeah you know and how we allowed republicans to stymie almost everything that obama wanted to get done you know, including, I mean, essentially stripping out like a public option, which really was for all corporate Democrats as well. Yeah. But yeah. like, like, do you not see that you are like, the, are we not learning those lessons and that people just chose someone who like could talk a big tough game and was like both parties are crap and only I can solve everything and I'm going to be anti-establishment. I'm going to be racist as shit too. Yeah, but yeah. that's like a, like, it's like a bonus, you know what I mean? To, to me also like being self-funded and not part of the swamp, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, then, and then he took credit for stuff Obama did because Obama's did it at the end of his tenure. So he was like, and then it threw, in my term, this happened, this happened. It's like greatest economy. Yeah. Look at how great oh, the job, job numbers. Like, sir, it's February. Okay. You just <laughs> got into office. Um, totally. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's sad that he didn't see that coming and also yeah. disingenuous. Um, yes. And also, he, he's he wasn't the one to unite anyway. So I mean that them, uh, I it, it's it's he just wasn't the guy. He can't do it. He he doesn't know how to. I don't think he's the right. I think you need a I don't know a younger person. Personally, I hope that's not ageist, but no, no. <laughs> if you want everyone I, I also, in the country to come behind you. It's like you need somebody not his age. Yeah, I mean, I think for sure, like moving forward he doesn't have a captivating message or vision. The vision was I'm not Trump. Like mm -hmm. let's, let's stop the madness, put out the goddamn fire. Um, I'm going to be, you know, the literal wet blanket. And we're like, Oh, thanks. We need a wet blanket. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and now we're like, Oh God, this blanket is really wet. I didn't realize we like, this sucks. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but okay. One thing I want to point out uh, before we move on is that, Biden knows that he's got to like sell his agenda to the American people. So there's that big build back better uh, bill that did not pass. It's got all kinds of, you know, deep infrastructural uh, things, including um, home care, money for home care, money for expanded Medicaid, um, you know, climate provisions. There's all kinds of good stuff in there. Mansion cinema have been thwarting it for a really long time. And this week we'll talk about voting rights in a second, but he knows he's got to get out there and talk. So here's, here he is, admitting that he needs to do a better job of selling his agenda. I have to make clear to the American people what we are for. We passed a lot. We passed a lot of things that people don't even understand what's all that's in it, understandably. I remember saying to President Obama when he passed the Affordable Care Act, I said, you ought to take a victory lap 
And he said, there's so many things going on, we don't have time to take a victory lap. As a consequence, no one knew what the detail of the legislation was. They don't know a lot of the detail of what we pass. So the difference is, I'm going to be out on the road a lot, making the case around the country with my colleagues who are up for re-election and others, making the case of what we did do and what we want to do. Okay, I think that's I think that's a good start, especially considering the Democrats are looking at a tough 2022 midterm. So they're like scared. So good. Get out there, campaign with Democrats, try and, you know, talk about what you did, because we know. The American Rescue Plan, no Republican voted for it, and yet uh-huh. the Republicans are trying to take credit for it. They're like, yeah, we did that. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, you know? <laughs> um, and so I think it's good. The, the thing I will say, though, is that, like, you got to have a plan that people are excited about if you really want to sell it. Like, if like, And you can't do that by stripping or, like, paring everything down and being like, we're not extending the child tax credits, but wasn't it good when you had it? Mm-hmm. Remember $1,400? <laughs> like, people don't remember $1,400 now. Like, shit is a new world in this 2022, you know? We're, more people are getting sick. More people are out of work. People are quitting because they hate their jobs. Like, they're not paying them enough. There's a whole new set of – that $15 minimum wage could have really come in goddamn handy in 2022. Um, so, yeah. yeah. There's uh, – that's, you know. Any any final thoughts on Biden before we move on? I think as a whole, uh, Democrats don't gloat enough. Like, the asshole nature of most politicians anyway is to gloat and – uh I say that, you know, <laughs> come from people who are politicians in my family. Uh, <laughs> and they're, I love them. They're great people. But I come from gloats. I'm a comedian. <laughs> of course I come from gloat. <laughs> but it, it is like, you know, I feel like Republicans do it so much better and more effective that they're like, yeah, I'm an asshole. And they, they succinctly say it. Like, whatever Trump said, it only took five words. A lot of it because he was stupid as hell. But it's like the five words got the point across of what he was trying to get whether it was racist or mean or just plain shitty, mm-hmm. he got it across real quick. And Democrats don't do that enough. There's like a lot of like extra wording they use that just people don't don't Fill take in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, come on, just tell us what's good. Like, be cool. Yeah, at least sign the checks. You know what yeah. I mean? If you're going to issue, like, at least put your name on it. Um, yeah. I can't believe we all cashed a check with Donald Trump's fucking signature on it someone was like (laughs) i was like i hate this so much yeah yeah um and yes i will catch yes i will put it in my i should be getting more from him he's got more money than this right (laughs) um all right well let's move on to our second story um this was the week where the senate failed to pass the john lewis voting rights act which restores parts of the voting rights act of 1965 that was gutted in 2013 by the supreme court um, and then led to a like hundreds of new voting restrictions that disproportionately affect voters of color now of course it failed because two senators kirsten cinema of arizona and joe manchin of west virginia um prefer they just love money like they really like some of us think we like money they love money and like i get like i'm not trying to judge or be like ableist some people like just see you know nothing but like dollar signs when they get into power um but yes of course two democrats didn't vote for it that's why it didn't pass and then you have mitch mcconnell who um very happy about that vote because his (laughs) whole party is trying to take away they did not like what happened in 2020 
Um, not the stealing part, the like actual voting part, because the stealing part didn't happen. Um, and he was asked by a journalist about voters of color and how voters like how they feel and how what he would tell them as, you know, or, uh, you know, if they'd be afraid to attempt to vote, given that there are so many new barriers or they're afraid they'll be turned away from voting. And here is what Senate Minority Leader and human weenus Mitch McConnell <laughs> had to say when asked that question. Listen close. Well, the concern is misplaced because if you look at the statistics, African-American voters are voting in just as high a percentage as Americans. Wow. African-American voters are voting in as high a percentage as Americans, you know, normal Americans, reg Americans. <laughs> Not like, even a Freudian slip. That's just a racism slip. <laughs> <laughs> and I keep on trying to find what happened after this. I don't think there was there. He issued a statement apparently that was like, I stand by what I said. Uh, that was like, uh, just, just in case you got confused. I mean, it's true. It's actually not true. There is a disparity uh, between black voter turnout and white voter turnout. It depends obviously when during the two Obama elections, that was not the case, but. There you have it. Him just saying the quiet part out loud, being like, you know, do the Americas. It reminds me of the the SNL joke when Jeff Sessions or um, Kate McKinnon, she's like, there are two kinds of crime, regular and black. And it was so yeah. <laughs> such a funny joke. Yeah. So fr- that's literally what he said. There are two kinds of voters, regular and black. Like, that's what he said. He's He looks like, as far as like getting the looks that you deserve, He's one of those people. He's just the ugliest man in the world. And it's like he's just so ugly inside that it just couldn't couldn't stay in there anymore. And the ugly had to just come out. He's an ugly guy. I feel bad for him that he's so ugly. But I feel bad for Elaine Chow, his wife. I don't actually <laughs> yeah. feel bad for Elaine. I hate Elaine Chow, but I don't. I'm just like <laughs> this fool. He just openly said that. And 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 you know, and it is it's meaningful, right? Because like a lot of people you know, Tony Morrison said, you know, everyone else in the United States has to use a hyphen except for white people. They're just American. Everyone else is a blank American. And, you know, it doesn't instill any kind of hope. I mean, I think especially for communities that have traditionally, historically been left out, disenfranchised, who then are like, well, it doesn't actually make a difference who I vote for because whoever I vote for, like nothing materially in my life is changing. And then to hear fucking Mitch McConnell like say that is like, all right, it is a it's full circle. This is why the Senate needs to be abolished. Will this yes. is why it needs to be abolished? We live in a country where the the Voting Rights Act needed to be restored. <laughs> that's already that's crazy, and then it did. <laughs> yeah, like... and then we didn't do it. <laughs> God damn. Yeah, we just well. need to be like a like we need to someone needs to be a custodian. I want like Denmark or some other country, Germany. Like someone needs to just like take us under our wing. Like take the reins. I mean, we all know it'll be China, but like you know, just take the mm-hmm. reins and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you could just work it all out. Um, all right, let's move on because we got to bring in my next guest. We're going to talk all about, given the fact that so many of our leaders have failed us on the climate, on climate policy, on ensuring that we are prepared for the eventualities and the realities of um, climate change, uh, people are taking matters into their own hands 
Let's talk all about that. This is The Sitch. And joining me for The Sitch is a leading energy and climate author and investigative journalist, award-winning writer. Her bylines include Rolling Stone, Harper's Magazine, Newsweek, The New York Times, The Los Angeles Times, The Atlantic, CNN.com, The Nation, Miss, The Advocate, The Guardian, and many, many more. Uh, she is the author of three books, Black Tide, The Tyranny of Oil, and The Bush Agenda, back in 2006. Please welcome Antonia Yuhas. Hey, Francesca. Hey, Will. Great to be with you both. Thank you, Antonia, for being here. Um, so just give us a sense, because you do a lot of awesome like reporting from the Gulf, uh, but specifically about like, you know, you've been a watchdog on oil and gas and like fossil, the fossil fuel industry, but you also have been a champion or, or, you know, really lifting up some of the work that's being done on the grassroots level from people who are like, we're just going to do this on our own. Uh, we need, we have to protect ourselves. So um, how are the communities on the Gulf Coast leading the way in, in the fight against fossil fuel giants? Yeah, well, again, thanks for having me. Um, so I have been reporting from the Gulf Coast for over a decade. I first started reporting from here um, with the BP Deepwater Horizon disaster and fell in love with the area and finally moved here a year ago. And one of the reasons why I moved here was because this area is just at this pinnacle uh, location and moment where you have both um, just incredible lead organizing coming from communities that have faced the fossil fuel industry for some of the longest periods of time in the history mm -hmm. of the U.S. and in some cases in uh, the history of the world um, and have a long history of resisting that industry and a long um, track record of organizing against the industry at the same time and in who are increasingly doing that organizing. At the same time as you have an industry that is, has, of course, been here since just about its founding and is in many ways hoping to have one of its one of the locations in the world where it's going to have its last stand, it mm. intends to be the Gulf Coast. So you've sort of got these two movements really um, coming to a head here. And the organizations that have been and communities that have been organizing against the fossil fuel industry have just been doing um, all kinds of different work here. And in two or three recent articles that I've been working on, um, one has been looking at the impact of, you know, one of the impacts of the climate crisis is, of course, um, worsening and more frequent storms and more extreme weather. And not only has the use of fossil fuels led to those increased events, but the reliance on the industry to then provide energy in the wake of those events has proven to be increasingly um, calamitous. So mm. um, in the wake of Hurricane Ida, which is just the most recent hurricane, of course, we had here and then spread across to the East Coast and was even more deadly on the East Coast than it was here. Um, one of the, the largest death toll uh, in Louisiana wasn't from the storm, it was from the lack of electricity following the storm. And that's consistent. It's a regular experience and increasingly worsening um, across climate catastrophes. And one of the things that was identified as the problem is that our electricity monopoly, Entergy, 
has been doubling down on its reliance on centralized large fossil fuel infrastructure to provide mm. energy. Mm-hmm. And that that reliance was impossible to maintain in the wake of the storm um, across the impacted states. Millions of um, households lost electricity. Some lost it for a month. All of New Orleans lost electricity um, for, I think it was over, I lost track of time, honestly. It was over a week. It maybe went on to two weeks. Um, Damn. You know, in the middle of a heat wave. Two um, weeks without electricity? Yeah, I'm honestly, Jesus. that, that I know that we, the areas of the state lost for a month, but honestly, I'm kind of blanking, blanking on the time period for how long. I think it may have been 10 days, so don't quote me on the exact length of time for New even Orleans. A, even like three days. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it was a long time. It was, it was a really long time. And um, especially for, of course, um, uh, low-income and struggling communities, those that particularly could not leave, right? So if you couldn't leave right. the city and you were stuck in the city, you had no electricity and no electricity can mean no clean water. It can mean no sewage. Um, it can mean a whole host of problems that uh, are um, not only life-threatening, but that can be catastrophic. And people's reliance on alternative measures of power, you know, their little um, energy generators or space heaters um, can can be a big um, cause of, of death as well. And what communities have been learning um, with all of these storms, wherever they've taken place around the world, is that the more that you can be independent of large fossil fuel uh, infrastructure and more, much more reliant on localized um, renewable energy systems, mm. um, the more uh, safe your power source is, not only in terms of reliance on it, but one of the things we've also seen in the wake of all these storms is that the fossil fuel infrastructure itself, there are um, spills, there are uh, power outages, and that ha- that leads to huge amounts of pollution being released from um, the refineries, from the uh, from pumping operations, from offshore operations. And this new data has just come out of Texas, for example, from the deep freeze a year a year ago that one yeah. of the catastrophic consequences wasn't just how long people didn't have power there, which they didn't, but it was also all of that um, fossil fuel infrastructure when it was going offline, when it was getting ready to lose power and then lost power, releases huge amounts of pollution um, oh, into the air to prepare for that um, lack of power. It's like a final, like... <laughs> That's exactly what it is. It's exactly what it is. And, it and the community... Like a choo-choo train, a choo-choo train. That's what I call trains. They need a choo-choo in front of them. But like, yeah, like a train is... Like, <laughs> um, yeah. That's what we call them in my house, too. Just yeah. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> we live in the same house. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's really interesting that, you know, you'd think, and I think energy companies rely on the idea that, like any corporation, they're the most reliable. Why wouldn't you trust or buy uh, your electricity from Entergy? Like, what is it about um, monopolies and energy monopolies that actually make us less safe when it comes to, um, you know, the impacts of climate change and these extreme weather events that we know are, are happening more and more? And there's lots of reasons, but I would say one of the biggest is that um, they, you know, it comes in the name, it's a monopoly. So these are centralized um, systems of power where you become dependent on 
just a few large sources of power and all of these infrastructures across the United States are still deeply dependent on fossil fuels. So many are shifting away from coal, but they've moved to natural gas or moved to oil. And it's still one large centrally um, located distribution system and fossil fuel dependent system. And I mean, this to show another example, just the fires that just hit in Colorado. That was also an electricity system that was dependent on natural gas. They were so worried about the fire hitting the natural gas plant that they shut down the plant. And so a lot of communities, including my own family, um, didn't have electricity for you know 24 hours, but that's long enough when you're in the middle um, of a fire. Whereas one of the things that they found here, uh, for example, in New Orleans is that houses so if you have it, so instead of a centralized system that is controlled by a monopoly that is intent on maintaining that power and, of course, intent on growing and expanding its revenue and its revenue is based from, on providing more and more and more energy. Right. So it's trying to build a model where you use more and more and more energy instead mm-hmm. of one, which is what we're trying to get to, where we are, of course, particularly countries like the United States using less energy, right? So our mm-hmm. goal is, for, is to reduce our energy footprint. They make money only from us growing and using more, a, a larger energy footprint. But if you are using a localized system, using less energy, the shorter a distance that energy has to travel, the less energy you use, right? Yes. The yes. closer it is to you, um, the more you can also uh, control the consumption and you can store power when you're not using it, turn it off, um, turn it off when you don't need it, store it when you don't need it, put it back on when you do. Um, and you can be, de- you can use um, renewable, you can be dependent on renewable um, energy. So one form of renewable energy that's really great that people really like is uh, say a community owned or cooperatively owned solar farm that's close to the community yeah. that's using it, that controls decision-making um, on how much is charged and how much is used. Homes that have solar on them, we found during the storm, were actually better protected, that roofs with solar panels actually protect roofs from blowing off. (laughs) So you also have greater safety from your solar panel. You also have your power right there. And particularly if you have a microgrid system where the energy that the solar panel is collecting is being collected right next to you, it doesn't have to travel anywhere, it's also much more reliable um, in the in the wake of a storm. And so moving towards those um, community, communally or cooperatively owned, localized renewable energy systems mm-hmm. um, is, you know, what groups, going back to where we started, are what local community groups around the Gulf Coast have been um, organizing for for a very, very, very long time and trying to find state and federal support for that for that shift. Yeah, I mean, you've been covering the oil and gas industry for so long. And like you said, you know, in terms of the the Deepwater Horizon spill and such, I think there was this idea, this false idea that, well, just economically, um, major fossil fuel companies are just going to naturally transition to renewables because it'll eventually be cheaper for them. That has not borne out. And instead, we still subsidize this industry that you tell me if I'm wrong, but are they like, just a year away from going full solar. Like, hell yeah. We've (laughs) seen the errors of our ways. (laughs) No, you know, sadly, you know, that, that is not, that is not what is happening. Um, Or maybe even not so sadly. You know, I have to say that um, 
it, it's hard for me as someone who has followed the oil and gas industry for a very long time and has seen the way that the industry operates in control of oil and natural gas. And of course, oil and natural gas are natural resources, right? They come out of the earth. They're just not renewable natural resources. They don't mm. renew themselves unless we're going to have a lot more dinosaurs die soon um, or wait many millions of years for plants to return into um, oil. It's a natural resource, though. And they've taken this natural resource and turned it into the most destructive resource on the planet. And it makes me nervous to think that the solution to our problems is to turn the wind and the sun and the waves over to these, you know, same companies to see the decisions that they'll make with them. But I don't really have to worry about that too much because they're not really doing that. So, um, you know, they're definitely basically they're making their money off of oil and natural gas and to mm -hmm. a lesser extent coal. And they're going to keep doing that. They're in Euro the European companies. So Shell and BP are forced through law to have to um, make the transition through different accounting measures faster. Also, Shell lost a huge case um, in The Hague, where The Hague, a Hague court found Shell liable for its contributions to climate change. Amazing. And, amazing, and said that it had to reduce its um, carbon output, its CO2 output by 45% in nine years, which is huge. So it, it has to change, and it has been. It dumped its entire... Um, Texan Permian Basin production as a result because it's such dirty production. There's so much methane release from that production that they're like, we just can't even produce there anymore. Oh, shit. They're actually no complying. They're complying because they or, have to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not by choice. So if you put in place regulation, if you put in place lawsuits, um, so that's why you're starting to see a shift away, like I said, BP and Shell as a result of requirements placed on them. But it's still only a small part. So at its at its very best in the in the in the future, BP still, which is the leader, will have at least forty percent um, of its revenue coming from oil and gas. And companies like Chevron and Exxon have just put really nominal um, attention to any sort of shift. They're really what they what they're really what they're really banking on. And I think this is what every oil company thinks is that. They're they're all going to be the company that sells the last barrel of oil, and the last barrel of oil is going to be worth a lot. Right. It's right. It's like the last PS five in you know <laughs> the Walmart or whatever. Like they're I'm going to be the one holding it, or what you know, um, <laughs> yeah. or something like that. Uh, but or just oil, which is as precious. Um, can I ask you about on a federal level, like what what can be done? And what is being done or is not being done to support some of these like moves to democratize the energy grid to help move to renewable energy. Um, and like, yeah, what can be done? And then I want to talk about Biden and his pos positing and positioning around like oil and gas. Yeah, I think, you know, there's um, a lot that can and a lot that has been done. And actually, the infrastructure bill included a lot of money um, towards making the grid more resilient, um, towards making building out that infrastructure that I was talking about that can get knocked down, uh, you know, as making making our energy provision more um, climate resilient, and also um, uh, helping build in that infrastructure that can help localize um, energy provisions. Um, the, that's something I hadn't heard, honestly. Like, I do think that that's an important, you know, we talked about Biden, like singing his wins. Maybe that is one of the things. 
And also, you know, we'll talk about gloating. It's like gloat on yeah, the fact gloat. that you're, you're helping red states do that, you know? There is so much in the infrastructure bill that the administration doesn't talk about. And honestly, I don't really get it. There's 66, sorry, there's $90 billion in public transportation. Public transportation funding that go, is, is key towards um, shifting our reliance on the most important component, the most important, the main thing that we use fossil fuels for, which is transportation. And yes. public transit is the most important way to stop that. It's not actually electric vehicles, although there's money for that. It's public transit. It's getting people in big cities into public transportation. It's getting people in, su- in suburban areas into public transportation. Um, and Joe areas, loves, you know, Biden loves choo-choo trains. Oh, That's yeah. His favorite <laughs> thing. He loves choo-choo trains. Why I can't he why? talk about that more? He's that was a big part of why him. I voted for him, honestly. <laughs> I was like, this guy loves trains. I like trains. Uh, we, we love choo-choo trains. He's got my vote. <laughs> I mean, people loved it when he talked about Amtrak, and he'll talk about Amtrak sometimes, but he doesn't talk about the, the public transit um, money there there i mean there's just a lot of pieces in there that that don't that don't get discussed and and the mm. um resiliency money the money also for you know making trying to make a greater energy efficiency within homes anything that we can do to reduce our energy consumption is another key piece that's you know going to make us um transition um mm. I know there's lots of good pieces in the infrastructure bill none of it's basically enough and i think that's you know sort of the problem it's like you know they're there was what was in the Green New Deal, um, which was significantly more money um, and policies than what ended up in infrastructure plus build back better. But there's still a lot in, I mean, there's still like, it's the big, it still is the biggest amount of money spent on public transportation, I think in US history. It still is the biggest amount of money spent on infrastructure in US history. There are all of this money to replace lead pipes, for example. That's not only really, really healthy for communities that are getting poisoned by lead pipes, such as those in Detroit. It's mm-hmm. also a jobs bill, right? So if you if you can have pipeliners building water pipes and not oil and gas pipes, then you bring the pipeliners union with you, right? So a lot of these are jobs bills. If you ha- if you can get guys who work on building stuff, and it's mostly guys, into building the infrastructure for electricity, into building transportation systems, into building water pipeline systems, then they don't mm-hmm. have to have those jobs over in the oil and gas industry. And a lot of these bills, the infrastructure bill, the Build Back Better bill, which are job bills, they really are, um, mm-hmm. are to get the unions along. Um, and the unions come along when you give union jobs. And that's what's in these bills. And one of the things we've seen, for example, you talked about Manchin. So Manchin um, likes to talk about the fact that he's against Build Back Better because he's supporting the coal community, the coal, coal in his state. Yes. Well, the coal workers in his state support Build Back Better (laughs) has a lot of money for transitioning from fossil fuel jobs into renewable jobs. Um, The coal owners don't. Um, And Manchin has not just been supporting the coal industry by opposing Build Back Better and, and voting rights, you know, like opposing the democratic agenda moving forward in the Senate. But Manchin has gotten basically the oil and gas industry as a whole, which Mm -hmm always gives to Republicans. So even, so in the 2020 election cycle, the oil and gas industry gave 10 times more money to Republican senators than Democratic senators, 10 times. So 10 to one, 10 million to 1 million. This election cycle this year, that is the case for most Republicans, but Manchin has gotten 
the more money than any other senator from the oil and gas industry as a whole, wow. five to one. So he's gotten $580,000, which is five times more than the next Republican who's gotten the next person who's a Republican who's gotten $100,000. So, you know, he's raking in the dough from the industry as a whole by being um, the block to this legislation. And this legislation, I'll just say real quickly, another key piece that supports the fossil fuel industry, as you'd said in the very beginning, Francesca, was the mm-hmm. subsidies that go to the industry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Build Back Better is where um, the Biden administration has put its commi- its intention, its commitment to end subsidies to the fossil fuel industry. So that's another piece that's in that bill. And there's a lot of pieces that are in that bill that have been part of what the administration had intended to do on the industry. Um, it's you know, still stuck in that bill. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, to in, to, wow. in defense of Mansion, like the Maserati SUV is quite expensive. <laughs> um, and... You know, I mean, and um, to say nothing if if it needs if you need its oil change, it's a whole separate process. Um, but yeah, <laughs> uh, he definitely drives a Maserati SUV. Everyone should know that. Uh, but wow. what do you think about this? About the idea that Biden just floated, which was like, "Look, we've got more climate stuff, and we can break it off, and we'll pass it. It'll be five hundred fifty-five billion dollars on climate and energy investment, and I'll get it done separately." Do you have faith that he can do something like that? I don't know. I mean, so I don't I don't think we can trust Manchin on anything. I think the longer that Manchin drags this out, the more money he gets. So, mm-hmm. you know, and so the cinema, she's also breaking records, uh, definitely career records and huge amounts of records uh, for her own ca- for campaign funding. Um, that's that's obvious. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, you know, the, and the longer it takes, the more money they get. Right. So as soon as they if, if they cave. So what cinema is doing is blocking the um, the tax portions of the bill so that the re- the bill has to be revenue neutral. So for everything right. you spend, you have to get money in somewhere else. Right. And all of the tax provisions, which are critically important tax provisions on ta- taxing the wealthiest and the corporations um, in the U.S., cinema is basically the the you know attack dog on that those provisions. And mansions the attack dog on the spending provisions. They're and, like either side of a Chinese finger trap. It's like no yeah. new spending, no new taxes. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. I mean, but that's I've how gotten you out of those, by the way. I'm really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> I just cut them in half. So there's a little, yeah. See, most people do. Most people do that. <laughs> I, I don't have a winning strategy. I'm, I'm embarrassed to say. Um, yeah. So, that, so that's, that's, well, they, so they do have a winning strategy. And so far they've, they've, um, succeeded in keeping the bill so what money. we're hearing sorry go ahead Will. no i just said money that's the yeah. big strategy yeah. Yeah, follow the money yeah. i mean you really yeah. do it really is um i think really important in in understanding um why this is happening and i think that so mansion is publicly saying that he'll support the climate provisions and the climate provisions as they currently exist but what you know, if you listen to um congressman jayapal and congressman ocasio cortez um one of the things that they're reiterating is that the Build Back Better bill right now is the bill that Manchin signed off on before winter break, right? This mm. is this is his bill. This is the bill that he crafted, the childcare provisions, the healthcare provisions, the housing provisions, the climate provisions, um, the job training visions, $3 billion yeah. in environmental and climate justice block grants, $15 billion in youth 
job training to train youth in um, climate resiliency jobs. Huge, um, yeah. huge amounts of money. Um, this is the bill he signed off on. So I think right now, you know, the Democratic strategy is at least what they're saying publicly is that they're going to break it into smaller bills and see if Manchin will sign off on them. It sounds to me like the the strategy, for example, that Bernie Sanders was talking about today was he basically wants to get get these bills to the floor of the Senate and force senators to take a vote and to basically have Republicans show to the American public that they won't support child care, that they won't support housing, that they won't support health care, that they won't support um, climate. And... um, you know, basically get get these bills to the floor, and I think there to me what I what I'm hearing is that it's just sort of a it's a gamble in strategy. So either your strategy is that you think because the midterms is what's the key thing right now, right? All of the Senate seats that mm-hmm. are up for re, for for um, for election in the midterms. Do you think that what Americans want to see is just something passed by the Democrats, and that's going to get them there? Like that they want to see is just something passed, or do you think that if nothing passes, because it's not like a more radical or more progressive bill is going to get past Mansion and Cinema. So if if nothing passes, but at least the Democrats have shown what they're for, right? Have stood right. up and say, this is what we want, this is what we're for, this is what we need, that then Democrats would then show up to vote and then Democrats would take the Senate and then they'd have enough votes in the Senate to pass something more um, meaningful. And it's Sort of where do you think, what's your political tactic? Which do you think is more? I think he should just eliminate federal student debt and just be done with it and be like, yeah. I need I need to consult nobody on this. Anyway, win for me. Bye. Like, yeah, yeah. Come on. It is such a layup. I just, it's the one thing, even if it is just 10,000, whatever. Start at 10,000. Do it. Um but yeah, it's we got to move on. So I, I do. I have one final small question. I don't know if it's easy to answer this one, but Biden has said he will try uh, and cut emissions by 50 percent by 2030. And yet at the same time has has asked and has basically said we need to ramp up oil production um, because we need more oil. And I don't know how we how do we square that? What is going on? He seems to think that there's some magical moment where we can turn around by like digging up and drilling more yeah it's okay that's this is a hard question for me to answer really quickly but i'll do the best that i can <laughs> I um, so i mean basically i i do believe that the administration is intent on reducing at a minimum oil production um it's less clear what their position is on natural gas um but um there have been there has been no new leasing on federal land. There's been no new leases on federal lands since the Biden administration took office for oil or gas or coal. And there has been a lease sale in the Gulf of Mexico. Um, okay. There, the administration did say that it wanted, um, that it tapped into the strategic petroleum, petroleum reserve um, and did say that it wanted U.S. producers to produce more to reduce gas prices, and it also called on OPEC to produce more. And that, I do believe, was a PR stunt, really more than anything else, to convince Americans that we could do something about lowering gas prices, Mm -hmm. and a PR stunt to put in a bunch of threats to OPEC, which is a much longer conversation. 
Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think that um, Americans are really worried about gasoline prices. And I think the administration wanted to say, we feel your pain and we're going to do what we can do. Um, I don't think that the administration has any sort of long-term strategy about increasing uh, oil and gas production. I really think that they actually have as a strategy. I mean, let's just make it clear. The, the head of the Department of Interior is Deb Holland. Deb Holland is not Ryan Zinke. She's not Scott Pruitt. Thank God. She's oh, Deb my God. Holland. Remember that guy? I haven't thought of that guy in so long. But, like, I thought about it. In, anyway, oh, oh, my heart just skipped a beat. Um, yeah. She's Deb Holland. I mean, Deb Holland isn't sitting up there in the Department of Interior and saying, how can I, you know, make sure that more. we're pumping oil and pump natural gas? She's just not. So, you know, I think that there's a lot of different um, uh, agendas that the administration is pursuing. Sure. I think also it's been trying to get Manchin on board. And I think it's been honestly cutting deals on different parts in different places. I actually think that lease sale in the Gulf of Mexico was a give me to the industry and a give me to Manchin to, to like pick battles. And I think there's been a lot of giveaways in the effort to get Build Back Better passed. I think the administration has been saying that's our goal. Yeah. And we're going to make deals and um, let other things slide to get that. Mm-hmm. This yeah. fool thinks he's king, man. This guy must think. <laughs> I mean, he's. it's like a... It's good to be king. Yeah, it's good to be <laughs> king. So. It's just like some, you know, I don't know, Will, you know this, but like somehow coaxing your kid. I mean, you will know this with like, take this toy and this and this and anything to get you to sleep. And like, you know, um, then they (laughs) got to pick your battles. Then they're two and they own your ass, man. They go own your ass. It's starting already. No, it's a it's a lot. We got a mansion of our. No, please don't let her have anything to do with mansion. No, please. It's a cinema. You've got a Kirsten. No, God, no. No. Don't, don't, let the, don't let the children hear that you're comparing. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. Hell no. She's like, no, please I, I swap hate, them out. I, I want your so kid much. in the Senate. Me too. I would take a one and a half year old over cinema. Oh, any day. Just <laughs> absolutely. Um, well, thank you so much, Antonia, for, for breaking that down. Antonia, you has everybody check out her writing and her work and, and her books as well. Um, just has been doing some incredible reporting for so many years and uh, and it's still hits still great. Um, so thank you. And, and I would love to have you stay for one final segment. Is that cool? We yes. gotta, we gotta rock it on out of here, but this will be fun. Um, so I don't know if you guys heard, but um, Tucker Carlson wants to, he wants to fuck an Eminem. I'm sorry. There's no other way to say this. He's he. We don't know what he does with Eminems. It is not our place to kink shame. But he is a white nationalist, so I feel like we can. Um, but he bas- basically what happened this week, guys. In case you hadn't been following all the you know uh, food mascot news, uh, big news in the Eminem world. Uh, the brown Eminem is not wearing pointy heels anymore. She, I think she, is wearing kitten heels. <laughs> wow. Crazy, dude. That's crazy. And then the other thing that's happening um, is that the green Eminem is also no longer wearing heels. She's wearing sneakers. Oh, my God. Whoa. Okay. 
So somehow they wanted to be more inclusive. They were like, let's not put M&Ms in high heels. Maybe this was weird to begin with. Um, we, <laughs> we're going to just give them sneakers and the other one will put her in like some more sensible heels. Um, I just want to be clear. I, w- I would have fucked all of those M&Ms. Just <laughs> <laughs> I was really into all of them. I just met- <laughs> so um, Mr. Tucker Carlson had a problem and he's trying to turn this into a potato head situation, right? Where, you know, somehow we're dropping the Mr. and Mrs. and it's just potato head. And that's somehow a statement on gender and the left and how everyone's transgender and I'm scared. <laughs> so this is literally a segment that he ran on, I believe, Thursday night responding to the new M&M's. The other big change is that the brown M&M has, quote, transitioned from high stilettos to lower block heels. Also less sexy. That's progress. M&Ms will not be satisfied until every last cartoon character is deeply unappealing and totally androgynous. Until the moment you wouldn't want to have a drink with any one of them. That's the goal. When you're totally turned off, we've achieved equity. They've won. What? I don't this understand. Guy, he, he drinks what? with M and M's. Wait, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> you want to take an M M&M and M out for a drink, and then you you want to be sexually attracted to them, and and why? What's going on? Like he's he's like a kid. It's as if like he was like I was really horny for the brown M M&M, and M, and I really liked her in those heels. Like he was just like his first crush was the brown M M&M, and M. You know, like <laughs> what the hell? What did we? What little boy like note of Tucker Carlson did we hit? Um, she's so- still naked. I'm not just saying. <laughs> I mean, she's wearing shoes. That's it, right? And glasses. She's a naked woman of color. She's a naked <laughs> woman of color in shoes. I mean, what do you want, Tucker? <laughs> I thought you were into this. <laughs> what else oh can we my- do? <laughs> yeah, we got the orange guy. He doesn't know what he's doing. You want to take anxious. him out for a drink? <laughs> yeah. he, he is a cheap date. He gets drunk off of like a thimble. Like, <laughs> it's just so funny because he so he said, "Listen how to how he said transitioning, right? Tra- he's transitioning oh, into God. what? Yeah. Like like the next thing he's gonna do, like Mister Rogers, look at him." Coming in from work, transitioning into different <laughs> shoes as he takes off his jacket. And, you know, like, what? Okay, so this is our little game. What cartoon mascot of food will transition next to trigger the right? This is mascot mayhem. There are so many cartoons to choose from, so many so many uh, mascots. Um, I have a few, but I'm curious, like, you know, what were your favorite foods? Cereals. Who did you like growing up? Who were you like, yeah, Toucan Sam, he's a good guy. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think who I like. You know, I, didn't, I wasn't allowed to eat sugary cereal, but I always felt like Quaker Oats Man, he was a decent guy. Yeah. He may be a pacifist. He's Quaker. That guy rules. I, I stand by him. But I, I do think that I'm gonna go first. Who I think that we should trans we should Rice Krispie the Rice Krispie chefs uh obviously have never been into women. Like let's let's <laughs> say it like it is. 
Um, and I want them to get like real kinky, like, you know, what we use instead of the marshmallows for the tre- treats, you know, um, and then, okay. I think Chef Boyardee, uh, will transition and live her life as a woman, which it's chef. If she's a chef and a female, that's already scary. She's trans scary. And I want her to be like, it's not ravioli. It's raviolex, you know, or something <laughs> like that. Like ravioli is sexist. Um, my third is, uh, you know, the Velastic stork, you guys know that guy? Velastic. Hell yes. <laughs> Love the Velastic stork. So that dude is pro choice as shit, obviously, because he's a stork. <laughs> exactly. And he, but he's not carrying babies, guys. He's carrying misoprostol, which is give, <laughs> it's like, you know, the abortion pill. <laughs> so that's what I think. That's how I think. Um, Will, any ideas, any thoughts on what would trigger the right? Oh, absolutely. I think I think one thing they should do is bring back Uncle Ben and uh and have Uncle Ben date Chef Boyardee because <laughs> an interracial gay couple will very much trigger them. And I feel like they might come up with like a, a rice pasta or something, which is healthy. Yes. And if honestly, oh. if I'm at a farmer's market and an interracial gay couple is like, yo, I got some rice pasta, I'm like, I'm getting it. Yeah. <laughs> this is it's probably some bomb ass like- pasta. <laughs> Yeah, the uncles. Yeah, yeah. I mean? oh yeah. My uncles, you know, and they're super cute together. Like one's holding the other on the yeah. box. <laughs> if they can if they join forces, let me just uh, they'd get all the money, you know. <laughs> That'd be so good. Um, Uncle Ben's still around, right? Did they they took him off, or they? I, I think they took him away. They took him now, and just and like Jemima away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Antonia, any any thoughts on who you would? Uh, all pick? I could come up with was, you know, whoops, which way is it in my camera? I have Lisa Simpson who sits sits on my sits on my bookshelf back there, and I think Lisa Simpson, you know, is already there, pissing off Tucker Carlson. So I'm just going to stick with Lisa. <laughs> she doesn't have to change. She's just who she is. It's we'll not, just lift her up, right. just lift a her little up. bit That's more. Right. Can you see her? Oh, oh she's great. She she could read Tucker Carlson in a second. Um, that it'd be over. I want her on. He would legit argue with her as if she were a real person. That's the <laughs> That's best part. It's like it could just it just you know she just fits right in and I mean and she has clothes on so yeah absolutely very true and <laughs> all right um I will <laughs> Frank Morning Tree says the Quaker Oats guy will become secular. Uh, I love that. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Let me see if anyone. All right, Cap Captain Crunch, Captain Crunch, a woman maybe. Um, all right, you guys. That has been mascot mayhem. That has been the bituation room. <laughs> Antonia Yuhas, where can we find your work? Follow you. Follow my Twitter right down there. That's the easiest one because I got this name that most people can't spell. And my website is the exact same thing. Um, and, and thank you. Yeah. For being interested in following me and thank you for having me. uh, Hell yeah. Of course. And that's at Antonia J U H A S Z for everyone listening as a podcast. Thank you. Um, take good care. We'll see you next time. Come back. Uh, and Will Miles, I'm going to see you in a bit for our very quick little bonus episode where we're talking about schools and the latest off the latest the worst thing you've ever heard about schools um who is teaching who is filling in for uh absent teachers let's just be real guys um they're cops and we're going to talk about it they are armed police officers and if you want to hear will and i break that down 
patreon.com slash situation room. You can watch live. You can listen back. Uh, you get the RSS feed if you are uh, listening as a podcast and it's special. It's like rainbow. It's very gay and great. Um, <laughs> Will Miles, where can people find you and your work? Uh, HBO Max, watch Southside season one and season two right now. Yes. Uh, and, you know, hopefully we get three, four, five, six, all that stuff. Uh, but watch it over there. Juke those numbers, you guys. Just yeah, yeah. Jack up the algorithm. And uh, Mr. Will Miles is your Twitter handle? Yeah, and Instagram. And then my website is Mr. But Mr. is spelled out. It's Mr. Will Miles, but the Mr. Mr. Is Will my, Miles. Yeah. Mr. Will Miles, thank you for being on. I'll see you soon. And thank you guys for sticking around. Thanks for hanging out. I just love it. I love it. Um, I appreciate all y'all. I'm going to read some comments really quick before we do our ceremonial fart song. Um, oh, God. In the house like LL Cool J on Twitch says, as a former classmate of Barry Weiss, I can tell you that she is the most annoying person I have ever met. And you were probably 19. And you were like, oh, oh, yeah, you were. OK, yes. I, for some reason, I thought she was your professor. But, uh, you know, you know, when you can tell douchebags from a young age when you're like in first grade and you're like. You're going to be a douchebag like those people really, you know, they pronounce themselves early. Um, Biden uh, speaking about Biden's one year anniversary, Alex Samaras on YouTube says literally everyone else in the world except Biden and the DNC anticipated the Republicans wouldn't work with anyone in good faith. Like, can you like as, as if he would just like, can we do a do over? Remember those four years? Let's just not let's just pretend they didn't happen. Hey, Jack. On Mitch McConnell, Melanie, Melanie D 44 on Twitch says Mitch McConnell's face looks like melted plastic. Oh, that's so generous of you. Um, HR, thank you so much for your super chat. Writing, all companies devolve into structures that impede progress. That is why one must always strive to subvert the dominant paradigm and support local. Totally. I mean, look, you can even do that while upholding capitalism, meaning I'm an anti-capitalist. You don't have to have a capitalist critique to understand that conglomerates and subsidies ruin the idea of competition, Right. Ruin the idea that people are going to actually work hard for their consumers, that consumers would have any protection. No, we know that's not the case. All right. Yes, I have Verizon. Guess what? Terrible service in my neighborhood. I don't even know why. Terrible. The biggest network. Stephanie Smith, thank you for your super chat. Franny, check out my epic profile picture. So cool to see you in Portland when you came. Oh, I see your epic profile picture. That is great. That is a good photo. Thank you. It's us together, if you guys didn't know. We're like, we're cute and we're in Portland. It's whatever. Um, Omega Shenron Dragon, thank you for your super chat. Uh, Tucky wants to rule 34 every character. What is rule 34 again? Okay, uh, Alexandra in the comments saying, rule 34 is a website which you can look up basically any character and a porn image of it will show up. <laughs> He's like Pillsbury Doughboy. Oh, yeah. Mm. Screenshot. Kids these days. Gross men online these days. Who would you rule 34? God, that's a good question. I mean, obviously, Mr. Clean. Come on. And Tony the Tiger is packing. Like, I think we can all agree. And with that, we got to get the hell out of here. So, oh, my God, thank you guys so much. This is the Fart Song. 
Yeah, thanking everybody who became a patron at $10 or more to get this shout-out. First of all, there's a bunch of five-buck patrons. Thank you guys as well. But really, thank you to Roller Dragon for upping your pledge. Thank you for, uh, you're so sweet. And for Jeff Lamperth, who upped his pledge to $10 to get this shout-out. What's up, Jeff? You got the long fart, Jeff. Uh, thank you to the big tippers, David H., Joseph L., you guys are so sweet. Thank you to the new Twitch subs, Aussie Plant Dragon, Dina Boyer, here just for the drinks, Kathleen, Kathleen MC76, Daniel McConkey, and Comrade Triz. And thank you again for the Super Chats, HR and Stephanie Smith. Thanks again to everybody who works on this show, to, uh, to Paige Omek, Alexander Ornes, and Maximilian Inhofe. We stream every Sunday, 580 Eastern on YouTube and Twitch. Follow the Bituation Room on Twitter at Bituation Pod, TikTok at FrannyFio, Instagram at FrannyFio. Um, and remember, I do the Twituation Room, which is a solo two hours for TYT on TYT, twitch.tv slash TYT. If you want to get up on that, you're doing nothing on a Wednesday, midday. It's real fun. Uh, and of course, as always, guys, fight the power. Fuck the patriarchy. Get tickets to our Brooklyn show and don't just bitch about it. Be about it. See you in the bonus. Bye.